Welcome to the Sports and Torts podcast and its presentation of college football's last call. This podcast is powered by the J. Stein Law Firm, a personal injury law firm in Atlanta, Georgia. And now, the boys bring you their thoughts on this week in college football. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Sports and Torch presentation of College Football's Last Call, Week 7 edition. Appreciate you guys tuning in, whether you're listening to the Sports and Torch podcast or uh, on the J. Stein Law Firm YouTube channel. We appreciate the support. You know, last week, guys, we were talking about how we were on top of the world, sports worldwide. This week, I'll be honest, like not feeling quite as uh, chipper as they say. Braves completely... Uh, what shit the bed is any other way to say it. Um, and then this Brock Bowers injury, man, it's just, it's upsetting. Uh, we'll talk a lot about it, but look, dogs still took care of business. Dogs are still undefeated, still number one in the country, still everything to play for and plenty of firepower. So not all is lost. We're still feeling good. Just not quite as good as last week. So guys, how are we doing tonight? What's been going on? Uh, good evening. Yeah, man. The uh, the Braves uh, just a c- complete collapse, right? Um, it was disappointing as we were positioning ourselves and our livers for a nice run through August. Um, if there is a silver lining, it just means we don't have to stay up till one o'clock every every night watching baseball. Uh, but something major league baseball needs to do something with the format with the with the playoffs right now. These teams are winning hundred plus games a year, just continuously get bounced before they make it to the championship series. Um, but I just myself just got back from a quick jump out west uh, to San Francisco for another conference. Uh, a little on the drowsy side, but uh, we're gonna pull. We're we're gonna play like a champion today, like uh, the Fighting Irish kicking some USCS. Um, and we're gonna have a fun night tonight. Hey, good evening, Larry. That's one of the rules for wedding crashers. No excuses. Play like a champion. That's right. Yeah. It uh, to to echo what you said. It was a tough uh, brain week, but. Um, the dogs win almost felt like a loss losing Brock Bowers. I think we just need to address that first and foremost. You, you can't lose the best player in the country and and, and not feel uh, hurt. It's like, uh, what is it, the six stages of grief or whatever it is. Um, I saw people talking about that. I don't, I don't know where we are now. But, um, yeah, that, that, that was a tough one. But, listen, uh, win in advance, seven or no. So yeah, the, the biggest disappointment this. for me with losing Brock really is I think it obviously takes him out of any potential to win the Heisman Trophy or at least be in New York for the Heisman Trophy. Um, he, you know, I think that we have enough weapons that we can get through the the regular season. Uh, hopefully, get him back for the SEC championship championship game, get him healed up for a playoff run. Uh, it's just really disappointing to see uh, see Brock Bowers go down. Someone we thought was indestructible uh, with with the ankle injury sucks. Now that we said that, I just need to introduce something really quick. After we said that, I've got a shirt for today that says, nobody cares, work harder. And that should be the motto. I love it. I love it. You know, unlike Ohio State complaining about Marvin Harrison Jr., you do look good in that, Brett, Red, look nice and buff. <laughs> you know, un- unlike Alabama crying about their wide receivers, you're not going to hear Kirby make excuses. You're not going to hear him point to this. Uh, nobody cares, work harder, next man up, insert whatever, you know, metaphor, or platitude, whatever that, that you can think of. Um, and that's what they're going to do. And, and and again, we'll, we'll be fine. Wish we had him, of course. Uh, Jason injury report, uh, four to six weeks is what they're saying. Tight rope surgery, which we mentioned this when Mims had it now. Like to me, like we heard two have a couple years ago, but all of a sudden tight ropes, a thing. Um, I think he's back by the SEC championship game at the worst. 
uh, get some other guys some reps, get other guys in the in the mix, and uh, let's go another championship. Yeah, I agree. What I don't what I don't think is a possibility is there is some talk out there that he's just done playing college football. I think if Brock Bowers can get a cleat on his foot and a helmet and a G helmet on his head, red cue the helmet, uh, his ass is going to be out there. And they said that same thing last year about Jalen Carter, who yep. probably doesn't have the greatest attitude, and he came back and absolutely dominated Tennessee. Amarius Mims was, you know, a banana peel away from heading to Florida State, and that dude's going to come back as well, and he's probably a first-round pick too. Brock Bowers is an animal. He's a, a team guy. He will be back. He will be playing. To be determined when, I uh, wish we knew an orthopedic surgeon who could give us some insight into this. Um, but I think to, to echo my my partner Josh's um, uh, take here, I think SEC championship is great. Look, let's look on the bright side for a second. If he does sit out till then, he he rests, he rehabs, his ankle heals up. We've all sprained ankles before. I've never had a tightrope surgery, but I've had some really bad sprained ankles. He's going to come back 100% and rested. He, think of all the mileage that's not on his body, you know, against the Missouri, against an Ole Miss, against the Tennessee, against the shitty Georgia Tech team that we always get players hurt again. So that's the bright side of it. It was tough watching him punch the ground right when it happened. He knew, right? I mean, guys know when their bodies don't do what they're supposed to be doing. And the minute he punched that ground, we're all of us like, oh, God. But about the game itself, um, you know, Vandy, we knew it was going to be one of these games. Uh, I don't love the consistent slow starts, though. Um, you guys were all um, – y'all were all together uh, at a bar mitzvah, and I was not there. Um, and I was able to watch the the beginning of it, and I was sitting text out. Feeling kind of bad, um, giving y'all bad news, but that's kind of how the game started, man. Like, we just have to fix this. What what is the way to change the first quarter that we uh, consistently keep doing? I think we played out to our competition. I don't think that there's anything um, more to say about that. It happened happened last year. Um, I, I think we, part of it is game planning. Part of it is mental on the players. Uh, but it, this has happened way too many times for it to be a coincidence. Look, we we came out against the one team, uh, the 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 ranked Kentucky team, and we absolutely beat the shit out of them. It it, it has something to do with Kirby's mindset, and I'm not criticizing because how can you criticize a guy, a guy that hasn't lost in almost two years? Uh, it has something to do with the players, and and it is what it is. We're not gonna. It's it's as we talked about before the long con, right? We're not gonna show anything. I think the game plan tends to be that way, and and it rubs off on the players. Um, take, I have a little bit of a different take on that. Um, I do think that we do, we, we do tend to play down our competition right now, but I also subscribe to the theory of jam coffee. And that's kind of the, the long game that Kirby treats each of these games. Didn't like Jake it's a scrimmage. Huh? Yeah. He, he treats he, with you. <laughs> you, you <good. laughs> it treats each of these like a scrimmage. And if you take out the turnovers, if you take out the turnovers, we absolutely 100% dominated the game. So it's not necessarily the slow start. It's it's more of controlling the football. Um, but the the thing, the takeaways that I like from the game, um, you know, we saw a lot of Dom Lovett. We saw Monroe Freeling step in as a true freshman and play really good at uh, at the tackle position. Um, again, our kicker is uh, feeling it. He was kicking into some windy conditions. Um, and, and it's just one, it's one game at a time. It's working on certain things and, and, you know, listen, an SEC win is an SEC win on the road. We'll take it. Well, in terms of takeaways, 
You look, the final score was 37-20. doesn't look great. And I think, again, the headline is you lose Brock Bowers. If we did our good, bad, and ugly, obviously the ugly is losing Brock. The good is you win. And the bad is it's a 37-20 score, right? The, fir- the first score of the game, it's a busted coverage. Uh, simple as that. It's going to happen even with the all-world secondary. So put seven on the board for Vanderbilt. Um, their second touchdown was a fourth and eight or fourth and 13 conversion. And it was just an absolutely amazing circus catch against, I think it was Malachi Starks, Camaro Lassiter guarding him. That doesn't happen. Okay, give that to them also. And then you've got basically a pick six for their last score of the game. I mean, woulda, coulda, shoulda, if your aunt had nuts, she's your uncle. But they, we, you could have shut them out, right? Then we have, what, did he have four field goals? Three field goals, right? That's the, If you score a couple of touchdowns there, you know, you're looking at a 47-7 a to seven game. Uh, again, I, all hypothetical bullshit, the score, the score is. but Statistically speaking, we 100% dominated that game. The score is not reflective of it. Um, we shut down their best wide receiver. He had one catch for 24 yards, which was that catch you're referencing on the goal line. Um, you know, and, and plus Kirby gets to leave that game with a lot of shit in his, in his, uh, in his vault to go work on for the next two weeks. Um, you know, one of the things that I read, which I found to be hilarious is, you know, Kirby, Kirby, you know, they're screwed. Kirby was like, oh man, these 17, 18 play drives, you know, we just can't do that. Um, you know, it, we need, ex- we need explosive plays and, you know, he's going to buy into that. He's going to use the media scrutiny that we didn't look good. He's, you, nobody does that better than Kirby. Seven and five rat poison that he continues to feed these guys and brainwash them. Uh, and we'll be ready to play coming out of the bye week. I'm not too concerned about it. He learned that from Saban, right? Saban was the king of doing that kind of stuff. Uh, Dejon Edwards, another big game, 150 yards. He is well on his way to a thousand yard rushing season. Kendall Milton ran really tough in the first quarter, first half. Of course, he got dinged up again. As our friend Sean Traub calls him, he's made a glass, and maybe there's some truth to that. But uh, again, I like I like seeing him in there, need him to get some carries. Cash Jones put up some good yardage. Uh, you mentioned Don Lovett, uh, Lawrence, and I think that you know him and Ra Ra, and of course Lad. Those are the names that we're going to have to start relying on over the next month. Maybe Dylan Bell gets back in the wide receiver area um, because those catches, those yards from Brock, have got to be picked up somewhere. So. Uh, do y'all agree with me that that's kind of the spot that we need to be looking for and the people that got to step up in the next next month? Yeah, and you're going to have to see Oscar Delp step up too in that tight end position. His blocking has been okay, not great. And that's kind of where what separates Brock Bowers. Not that he's just a beast that no one can tackle, but he's an extra offensive lineman out there in other plays. So Delp's going to have to step up. You know, hopefully you see like Lawson Lucky, who got a lot of preseason hype. Uh, also coming back from the tightrope surgery, and you know you see him come up from the uh, the tight end position. Uh, but yeah, I agree with you. It's it's going to come down to Ra Ra, love it, uh, McConkey, and then Arian Smith has got to put some stick on his hands and make some plays out there. I, I agree with your last part. I, I kind of agree with you. I disagree a little bit in terms of the tight end. Part of the reason the past two years, two and a half years, we we've, we've worked the tight ends is look at the tight ends we've had. Right, you've got Brock Bowers, who's a freak, who, we, who literally lines up any place. They 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 start him in line, they put him in the slot, they break him out wide, they start him in the backfield. The guy take you know, so he because he was so good and so fast and so strong, uh, he he took a lot of those slots. So I don't necessarily think that you don't need Delp to be all world, right? You need a serviceable tight end every now and again. But I think a lot of that, to Josh's point, could be made up with some of the different receivers, and there really is a. Um, uh, an embarrassment of riches, if you will. Uh, 
Larry Dom Lovett has been coming on. Ra Ra has, has shown you know flashes. Marcus Roseby could come out one week and be and be the number one receiver. And this is without really getting into Lad. So um, well, yeah, I'd love to see Delk come out, Delk come in and and just be brought 2.0. I don't think it's a necessity. Um, one other thing I'd mention is you're starting to get <laughs> Again, you can't take anything away from losing Brock, but you're starting to get a little bit healthier, right? Sounds like Kendall Milton could be back. They said he could have played um, if needed. He just didn't feel great. You're going to get Rob Rob, hot Rob, uh, uh, Rob Rob back um, for Florida, right? We need the depth at, at running back, right? I do like the identity of, of throwing to set up the run, but, you know, maybe you give, uh, you know, you spread the ball around a little bit more. So I don't think you necessarily need to lean on the tight end position. Long way of saying that. That's right. Listen, Beck, Beck just Beck just I mean he lost his security blanket, so he's really gonna have to step up and just start spreading the ball around. Find a new one. It's a good time for the bye week, though. Get their head right. Get you know, start putting in some new game plan, work some people in. So we'll be fine in a couple of weeks. Yeah, we've reached that halfway point of the season where scoreboard watching is is kind of even more heightened, looking at other teams in the SEC East. Frankly, rooting for losses, right? I mean, Georgia controls his own destiny. We don't need help. But if you drop a game over the next month or so, you sure would like a little bit of a cushion. So, you know, we saw Tennessee play Texas A&M. I think we're all rooting for Jimbo, knowing he probably wouldn't come through. But a loss of the Vols is helpful. And then Florida, South Carolina. I mean, you know, Florida sneaky only has one loss now um, in the conference. So what were y'all's takeaways from those uh, those few SEC East matchups? Well, Tennessee A and M was in. Uh, it was just an ugly game. I read something the other day. Some uh, the message board geniuses that some Texas A and M fan predicted the future for the next twenty years, and it was like seven and five, seven and five. Fire coach, hire new coach, seven and five, seven and five, and in perpetuity. And I think that's just what Texas A and M's future is. I don't think either of those teams is really, really that good. Joe Milton, as we mentioned early and often in this podcast is not very impressive in the quarterback position. And then they lost their best wide receiver a couple weeks ago in Brew McCoy. Uh, Tennessee's defense, surprisingly, is much better this year. And that game turned into a big, ugly defensive battle. Um, Tennessee has a big game this weekend as they uh, they go on the road to Tuscaloosa. That's another one that will be pretty interesting to watch. And then in terms of Florida, South Carolina, did you guys hear the day that Beamer broke his foot kicking like a trash can after the game? Um, so you may have a candidate for the uh, final segment of the show, uh, Red, for that one. Um, I just I, I think South Carolina is a very inconsistent team, and I think Florida is a very inconsistent team. And that was just a coin toss, and it happened to be a game that South Carolina really blew more, in, in my opinion, more than Florida actually won. I didn't watch much of the Florida-South Carolina game, so I won't even really comment on it. I uh, did watch a lot of the Texas A&M Tennessee game, and I'd say it was a pillow fight. Max Johnson sucks. Uh, Joe Milton sucks. Uh, Tennessee could run the ball this year. Their defense is better. I do agree, but both of those are honestly shitty teams. I'm not really that concerned um, about playing Tennessee. I mean, I'm concerned about every game left on the schedule, obviously without without Brock, but um, because he is the safety blanket. But um, nothing there really. It's not the same Tennessee team of last year. Um, you know, you lost Herndon Hooker, you lost those two great receivers, and you lost your best receiver. Now they're a run first team. Um, I, they're going to lose to Alabama. You know, I've, I've been shitting on Alabama a bunch this season, and I, I don't think they played all that great. The shit they could have lost to Arkansas this past weekend. I think Bama is going to beat the shit out of Tennessee this weekend. I don't think this one's going to be close. I think there's some payback coming, and I just don't think Tennessee's built to to 
hold up on the road um, in Alabama. Florida's got a few losses, one in two weeks, and then they've got to play Mizzou. They've got to play at LSU at, at Mizzou. They'll lose three more games at least. Let let me take your uh, your your Bama Arkansas discussion and ask you all this question: We don't give Arkansas much conversation on this show, even though we love their we love their coach Sam Pittman, former former dog was a great coach. Um, former dogs coach was a great coach for us. He started out pretty hot at Arkansas. They jumped to the top ten. They had that game against that in Athens where we kicked the shit out of them, and ever since then they've kind of been treading water. Is he becoming a little bit of a disappointment, or is he still kind of got Arkansas going in a decent direction? The game against Alabama ended up close score-wise, but it wasn't really close until the end. So what do we feel like how Pittman's doing? They call So, listen, Arkansas is a tough place to uh, to win. It's, it's not a really, like, football hotbed of, of high school recruits, and the ones that are really good get recruited by Oklahoma and all the teams in Texas and LSU. Um, it's a lovely town. I've heard, I've never been, I've heard it's a fantastic town. Actually, they refer to Sam Pittman as the Ted Lasso of Arkansas. <laughs> Everyone loves him. He's got his core. I just want myself an old cold beer. Uh, how could you not like the guy? It's a tough place to win. They're going to, hopefully they don't fire him after the season, give him, give him another shot. But you know, it's kind of like Lawrence was just talking about Texas A&M. What, what are the seven and five, uh, seven five fire coach? Like, who's won there? Houston Nutt. I mean, Houston Nutt. Yeah, yeah when he had Darren McFadden and Felix Jones and uh, Peyton Hillis back there. Um, here, I mean, here's the deal: was like again, I think it's setting the expectation, setting expectations. Like he came out hot for a team when they had Bilema and uh, whoever they had before that, and then they had Petrino. Um, and they didn't win, they didn't win a single game, right? They had some offers in the SEC for many years in a row, and Pit Boss comes in, gets them to some level of relevance. Um, you know, he maybe he has kind of a little bit of Mark Rick to him where he just kind of hits a plateau, and that's just kind of what the expectation is for Arkansas seven, eight wins every year. Um, I mean, what's your expectation at Arkansas? Do you think right. you're gonna win the S compete for the SEC West regularly, especially with Oklahoma and Texas coming in next year? So I I, he's probably the right guy for the job there. He has had some turnovers with his coordinators and whatnot. So if he can have some stability there, you know, maybe he could kind of have that special season where they get to 10 wins and finish second in the West. And beat if you beat an LSU or you beat an Ole Miss and you win, you know, nine, eight, nine, ten 10 games, mission accomplished. So, Lawrence, I was waiting with bated breath for a Nolan Richardson sighting or, or mention with Arkansas. The old basketball, uh, 40, a little forty minutes of hell. Forty minutes of hell. I, I, I thought you were going there. Any any chance to tie some college hoops? I thought you would take it. Uh, uh, big big miss on my part. I'll chalk it up to jet lag. Jet, jet lag. All right. So the, the game of the weekend, I tell you, that was super entertaining, and it might be because it's just silly football. And I'll I'll let you guys opine on that. Um, Washington versus Oregon, uh, back and forth, lead changes, go aheads, fall behinds, Phoenix versus Knicks. Um, it had everything. It also had terrible, terrible coaching by friend of the show, Dan Lanning. He made some just god awful decisions on fourth down, god awful decisions to not take field goals. Um, kind of disappointing to see that. So, does the Pac 10 teams like is that how they play every week? They're always going for a fourth down, they're always going for two, they're up and down the field. Are they legitimate contenders to play in, in the playoffs? Like, a lot of questions for you guys, but that game had my head spinning. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I was flipping back and forth between that and the Tennessee Texas A&M game. Uh, and the other, the funny part is, as we as Georgia fans, we caught a lot of shit last year for having a 26 year old quarterback. Uh, and then you go look at some of the best teams in college football right now, and you got Bo Nix, who's been in college. He's him and Michael Penix Jr. are both Van Wilder out there in the in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, it was a great game. It was an exciting game. Um, I do think they're both playoff contenders. I think uh, they'll they'll end up playing again uh, in the Pac-10, Pac-12 championship, whatever it is. Um, assuming one of them doesn't slip up against USC, but I think USC is garbage. Um, and I think one of those teams will be playing in the playoffs, most likely Washington. I think they're a more complete team with more uh, NFL-ready studs. I mean, the wide receivers are really good. Phoenix is the leading Heisman the leading. Heisman odds at this point, which means he has no chance to win. Um, it was a great game, entertaining football, right? Like more go- those games every week, and we'll be uh, we'll be happy the rest of the way. Yeah, they are. But I just have a hard time like picking anything good about Bo Nix as, as shitty as I've seen him over the years, and he is like twenty seven years old. And same thing with Michael Penix. I think they- he's married with three kids. Games. Yeah. Did they say Michael Penix was supposed to go to Tennessee, and then he left when? Um, um, Captain uh, Slaughter or Sergeant Slaughter got fired. I think they said that. I'm not the fact check that. But uh, Manning came in, so he left. Is that the time period? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, like Dan Lanning caught a lot of shit. And I think he is a really good coach. I think he's done a lot of good things there in, in a season and a half. But to me, you take those three points right before halftime. And then I just don't get why you don't punt that ball at the end of the game. That, that's that's coaching malpractice. Uh, but to your point, I think Oregon's out. Um, I think. Uh, I, Washington's got the inside track. Obviously, USC got their ass kicked uh, this past weekend. They're they're soft as Charmin. Uh, just looking at Washington's schedule, they've got ASU, Stanford, USC at USC, Utah, and at Oregon State. If if, if they don't slip up, they're they're going to be in. Right? They'll, they'll be in one of the four. Um, I I would give them definitely inside track. You, you you brought up USC. I think they're done. We mentioned it last week. The week before. You said soft as Charmin. I'll take that and run with it. Caleb Williams, I think, uh, lost his shot at back-to-back Heisman's. You can't do what he did versus Notre Dame. Um, lose like that and still be in the mix. So uh, I think they're done. And then sticking with the west part of the country, I hate to do more Coach Prime, but when there's a historical collapse like they did um, on Friday night, you got to bring it up. I mean, Lawrence, you shared the stat with us. What was the stat? It was like uh, teams leading by 29, more than 25, 29 points at halftime or like 1,200 and 0 over the past however many years. And (laughs) and that was the first, I mean, that was a historical collapse by Coach Prime. And to make it worse, Shador Sanders was, you know, they say he was slinging merch from the locker room at halftime. Gans, as you mentioned, he probably had one of his his, uh, dudes doing it for him. But regardless, it's a bad look. Um, You know, what they got three wins this year. They're probably going to finish with four wins. It's still better than they did last year. Uh, as Coach Prime says, this is the worst we're going to be. This is the worst. You better get him now because he's coming for your ass, Gans. Hey, he's got receipts and he's bringing Louie. But it's a, it's a, FTCU. If TCU just beat them, we never, I would have been like, had two hours of my life back of not having to watch Coach Prime. He's a, he's a clown. They're a clown college. They're a clown car of, of clowns. Move on. I, he's, I doing, you, he's doing the clown in the WrestleMania main event. Yeah. I, I just love how you say they're just not serious people. They're <laughs> not serious. I, <laughs> Logan Williams is a smart, smart man. 
not serious person. Uh, all right. Pac-10 conference is by far the most boring conference on earth. Big 10. Big 10. I'm sorry. Big 10. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Big 10. Thank you. Uh, Big 10. Uh, we'll have the producers edit that out. The, the, the Big 10 is the most boring conference on earth. I struggle. We all struggle week in, week out to come up with some kind of a storyline to even bring them up. There is none. However, this week, we do get Penn State, Ohio State. We might see some something that will give us some clarity on those teams. I'm tired of seeing Michigan play cupcakes, win by 50. Snooze, snooze, snooze. Uh, are y'all intrigued at all about a Penn State, Ohio State matchup this week? I am because I want to see one of them lose. I'm, I'm sick of hearing about all of them. And I want to see who who's for real and who's a pretender because honestly, I don't know. Michigan's played no one. Ohio State, eh, not really. Uh, I guess they played Notre Dame and they beat Notre Dame, but is Notre Dame anything? Doesn't seem like it. And Penn State hasn't really played anyone. So I want to see what they do against each other. I keep hearing how good they are. So let, let's see it. As much crap as the SEC has been getting for having a, a down year, the the Big 12 or the uh, Big 10 is literally three teams. It's Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, and everyone else is garbage. I mean, I Iowa, the, the over-under for the Iowa-Wisconsin game last I believe it was like 35 points and it hit the under. Um, I mean, it, it, it's it's laughing stock football. That being said, I am excited to see like their heavyweights, right? They're very top heavy. Their heavyweights to start playing each other and knock each other off. They're probably gonna end up with three one-loss teams, and um, and whoever ends up with whatever that tiebreaker is is gonna go play Iowa in the Big Ten championship game. I mean, it's gonna be silly. Yeah, I mean, Wisconsin was supposed to be better this year, and I, I don't really know what they've done, but let's just looking at like Ohio State's schedule. They played Notre Dame. They play Penn State this week at home, and then they've got to go to Michigan. Besides that, it's it's just UAB they're playing every week. Um, Penn State has to play, I guess, both Ohio State. I guess they all do play each other because they're all in that same conference. But, yeah, like it, it, there's there's nothing there. So I'm, I'm interested to see what happens this week. Uh, uh, I think Michigan's probably the cream of the crop. I think Michigan probably has the most uh, the best potential to run the table out of that. But, I mean, who knows? Who knows? And you have uh, Michigan has to go to Penn State, right? So you got Ohio State host Penn State, Penn State uh, host Michigan, and Michigan host Ohio State. So they all, you know, kind of are, are playing, you know, on on other people's turf. So you might be right; there might be one loss between all of them. So who knows? But I'm excited. Yeah. You have you have made your feelings about Hugh Freeze well known on this show. We've got the Hugh Freeze Bowl coming up this week, right? Ole Miss versus Auburn. Uh, you know, I always think those are, that's kind of an interesting game to follow. Yeah, I, I yeah, so I had a buddy in um, I had a buddy that was in New Orleans this past weekend, and he was gambling out of Harris. I said, "Well, just lay the house on LSU uh, versus Auburn," and they absolutely kicked the shit out of them, forty-eight eighteen. Um, I, I don't know. We'll learn a little bit about Ole Miss this weekend. I suspect uh, Ole Miss is a six and a half point favorite at Auburn. I suspect that they're going to lay the wood to them. Um. Let's see what happens. I think Hugh Freeze, this is the Hugh Freeze revenge game. He's upset with Ole Miss for relieving him of his duties for his religious. Uh, I think he he used some sort of religious slant was the reason that he was fired. And I'm like, if that's what they're calling it these days, um, it'll be, yeah, it'll be an interesting one. Auburn, uh, you know, they played fine against us, you know, but uh, I just don't. Uh, I don't know. I think Kiffy lays it to him. Uh, Hugh Freeze is going to pull it, go into his bag of tricks, but uh, I think Ole Miss covers a six and a half. Any Great. plans to enjoy an extra three or four hours on Saturday with the Georgia Open bye week? Yeah, I, 
Uh, Home Depot, Bed Bath and Beyond. If there's time, if there's time, only if there's time. Yeah, got a big night there that for. Uh, no, I don't know. I you know I, I'm excited to watch some of these games: the Penn State, Ohio State game, Tennessee, Alabama. I'll watch the Ole Miss, Auburn game. Yeah, relaxing week. I love how the dogs strategically scheduled their bye week on Lindsey Kessler's birthday, so I don't have to navigate birthday celebrations and Georgia football. So we'll chalk that up as a win. They do it every year for you. They love me. They love it. It's a win for Big Lair. Speaking of loving, uh, how we do on the sucker bet of the week last week? Talk to us. Um, what we think the, about next week? The sucker bet uh, the last two weeks is getting slapped around a little bit. I took Bob Ebel's Louisville Cardinals thinking they would come off a big win and continue the momentum, and uh, they got slapped around by the Pittsburgh uh, Panthers. So um, while the sucker bet is uh, below 500 on the year, we're not doing nearly as bad as Stanford, Steve. I read a stat at, uh, for ESPN that his picks are like 30%, 25% of the year, uh, historically bad. Um, there's not a ton of games that I, I look through that I, I, I truly love, but the one the game that I think I'm going to take is the sucker bet this week is, um, you know, Penn State is getting points. They've kind of become, as you mentioned on an earlier episode, a little bit of the media darling. Ohio State's struggled a little bit. Um, and I think the public right now is heavy on Penn State. And so I'm going to take Ohio State laying the four and a half. I think they win by a touchdown. Putting your uh, putting your money with Jason Day, huh? Not Jason Day, but Ryan Day. Ryan Day. And Jason Day's a good Aussie. Jason Day's a good day, but he I'd also lives in Columbus, Ohio. Day. He's a, Jason Day, big Ohio State player. Yeah. He, yeah, he is an Ohio guy, so maybe my 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 slip there was 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 well timed. All right, Mar- Nick Adams, mark it down, and we we need to get some momentum going back, Lawrence. You started out so strong with the soccer bet, and as you put it, been slapped around recently. But hey, Ryan Day to save the day. Gans, you got a Jimbo of the week? I do. And for those new listeners, the Jimbo of the week typically has every week been a, a coach, but it doesn't have to be a coach. For instance, it could be the trash can that broke Shane Beamer's foot, right? That could be the Jimbo of the week. Uh, whoever did the stupidest thing. So we do have a few candidates I'll, I'll lead up. It's not as obvious this week. And, and uh, there will be a little vitriol for me in this one. Uh, obviously, Dion blowing the biggest lead in the history of organized sports um, is up there, but that's too easy. Dan Lanning with his just preposterous uh, going forward on fourth down could be there. But this week, the Jimbo of the week is the Vanderbilt Athletic Department. The fact that the game was played in that stadium under the conditions that is played is uh, there should someone as as a Jay Stein uh, injury lawyer should be filing suit in uh, in Tennessee. A and, and I struggled with this because I thought maybe we should give it to the SEC for letting him. I don't understand how Vanderbilt's playing in that stadium this season. It is literally a construction site. The scoreboard sways back and forth. They've got to test it before the game and afterwards. There is a tent for a locker in the parking lot, but probably worse, that field was in piss poor condition, right? I'm, I'm obviously very salty about losing Brock Bowers. You lost Xavier Truss, who went down. Kendall Milton went down. Uh, Vandy's best defensive player went down to a knee injury when uh, when Carson Beck knocked the shit out of him out of bounds. That was his knee, not, not his shoulder. This was all field conditions. You saw Dejan knee buckle about three times. The game shouldn't have been played on that field. The fact that Vanderbilt, a Division One school in the SEC, lets people play on that, it, you, you Vanderbilt Athletic Department are the, the Jimbo of the Week, and you might have some sort of malpractice on your hands. I'm giving, I'm but, giving but, you a clap for that because you, you nailed it. I, I think that you, you thought outside the box. You were creative. I didn't see you going in that direction. 
but you're absolutely right. So kudos to you. Uh, well earned. Can they not go play where the Titans play or the music? Right. I was going to say the same thing. They, there's even a there's even a field where the MLS team in Nashville plays. Like Vandy could fill that stadium, turn that into a football. Go play at Montgomery Bell Academy. You probably get as many fans there as they do for a typical Vanderbilt game. Speaking of the stadium, um, and I guess I didn't really pay as much attention as I should have. What was the breakdown of fans in the stadium? Was it all Georgia like it always is? Was it a yeah. I mean, what did it look like? I, I really, truly don't remember. It's not, the hot dog vendors were wearing Georgia gear. I mean, it, it, was, it was 90% Georgia. Is it because they traded their vest for a Georgia polo or what? I don't know who would ever do something like that. <laughs> yeah, Jimbo would do something like that. So we usually finish up with the Jason injury report. We've hit all of it. I mean, obviously Brock Bowers is the, is the major one. Uh, Xavier Truss, who you just mentioned, had an ankle injury, went out. Kendall Milton, we've mentioned him. So let's take the bye week. Let's get everybody right. Let's get everybody feeling good. And we know some folks won't be back before then. Um, we have Florida coming up, right? Um, Lawrence, you once said that you were, you were going to have to go what? We had to win 17 out of 20 before you'd go back to Jacksonville or something. Along those I believe that, I believe was, that was the number. We've got to be getting pretty close to that now. Uh, I, yeah, if someone, if we could get one of our uh, historians to uh, pull the stats of what the what the most recent run of record is, but it was after the Terrence Edwards drop in two thousand three, I believe, when we went to like they went to a seventeen and three run on us. Uh, I said I am not returning to to Jacksonville um, until we flip that. Um, I'm tempted. I'd love to go back if we could get it to line up with like not being Halloween or no kids activities and make a run down to to Jacksonville. Hit up the embassy suites italian like a little hardy's and bloody mary's and do it run it back i'm in man so i I used to say we had to wait two years in a row for me to go back i've obviously changed that since i've said that i have a fear of the florida man and uh jacksonville is the home of the florida man and i'm just it scares me you you nailed it too with halloween it just doesn't doesn't sync up very well I'm, i'm looking forward to getting back there though once uh once we can so Gentlemen, uh, enjoyed it as always. I think that we uh, we we hit it all. Unless there's anything else you guys want to want to do, we will enjoy the off week next week. We'll still come back and do a show though. There, you know, listen, Georgia can take a week off, but by God, we ain't going to right. Let's get creative for next week. Hey, was it no excuses? Work harder. Let me see it one more time. Nobody cares. Work harder. And on that, we out. Thank you all for listening. Keep chopping. Sorry, the Braves are out. Nobody cares. Work harder. Peace. Take care.